one of the things that I see as a big change is I'm not as interested in being who I should be. And it's kind of what you were saying, Tom, is I'm just mm-hmm. more interested in just being who I am today and, and owning that and living that mm-hmm. authentically and knowing there's a lot of sides to me. You know, there's sometimes a side that wants to rebel. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. I'm smiling over here because we were just down at dinner and my wife and I were having this conversation. She was so frustrated. She goes, I've just got to control someone. The kids aren't letting me control them. You're not letting me control them. I'm going crazy here. <laughs> What's a mother to do? <laughs> I mean, oh, God. It was, <laughs> it's a good thing we can laugh at that, though. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, well, it's, it's good for the good that she, I mean, Jess, that's just, that's just as uh, emotional sobriety too, because that we identify what it is we're doing. It's, it's see that, that, you know, all the times that, that, that speaking as a, as a one day at a time recovering control freak, it's like, in the, in the old days, I would not have been identifying that I that I wanted to control. I would just I, my my mantra was always no, no. I'm just trying to be helpful. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, <laughs> under the guise of helpfulness, so many oh, hearts are broken. Uh, Oh, our, 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 our couples therapist, I remember she would roll her chair up closer to me, you know, and, and she would just say, it's not helpful. Uh, you know, I don't get to choose what's helpful. And that's the, that's the lesson, right? I don't get to choose what's helpful for you. Well, we have uh, Joe C back on the podcast today. The last time we saw him was at the international conference of secular AA. There, there's a lot to face-to-face conferences, you know, all of the stuff outside of the meeting, the catching up with people, the chit-chatting over a meal, all that sort of stuff. You know, I definitely miss that. But the idea that we can have people from Australia and Poland and uh, Hong Kong and all over North America, South America, we can translate French and English and Spanish and English meetings, Mm. Uh, you know, the technology is uh, just a, a a new way to uh, break down barriers and build bridges. You know, right. it's it's great. And your podcast, people totally were buzzing about it. And uh, I wish I could have been there longer, but I was running around dealing with people with their hair on fire all day. <laughs> Yeah, but you were doing that's that's where I first got to know you, uh, Alan, when, when you were doing your years in Andrews conference, you were so sweet and so accommodating to make to make time for, you know, in the evenings to do stuff with us. And everybody's coming to you and asking for something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll test your emotional sobriety. It, yeah, it definitely, definitely does. And everyone's so tense because they all want it to go so well and they all have yeah. their own view of how it should unfold. And yeah, it is a big test of emotional sobriety, anything in AA service. Uh, another idea I had uh, pitched Alan was to one day do something on emotional sobriety and the 12 traditions. Yes. You know, applying oh, wow. service work. Yeah. yeah. No, let's do yes. that next time you come, Joe. We'll be yeah. right for it then because when you pitched that to me i thought that wow it is such a nice fit right it's a glove and a hand kind of a deal Mm -hmm. and it's it's right on man but look today is what we wanted to focus on today was you know i guess the theme is more will be revealed right 
I mean, mm -hmm. is that where we're at at certain points in time, something make, may, may make a lot of sense to us. And then later on, what made sense to us at that time looks so different as we evolve in our recovery, as we continue this journey. And, and we want to really kind of focus on that, on, on what that means in terms of emotional sobriety. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's an exciting topic because, you know, I'm more and more convinced that the issue for us is developmental, not pathological. And that yeah, I yeah. think that we invoke a lot of pathological ideas about symptoms and stuff that are better explained by just saying, you know, we just, we haven't taken the next step in our development yet. It's not something that's wrong with us. You know, it's, 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 we're right. We're not wrong. We just need to keep on the journey. Because that's one of the things that, that in, 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 re in recovery with the big giant capital R, which I think is emotional sobriety with, with, with the deeper recovery. We're so trained to think that the word want is just about selfish. I want good things to happen to me, but I want good things to happen for you guys too, you know, and, I, and, and then we get deeper into it is, is it's not so much about what we want to get. It's what, what, what we want to be, who we want to be. And that's where the want is. I want to be, I want to be a man of integrity. Ernie Kurtz had this great expression. Yeah, he wrote a lot of prolific things, uh, Not God, A History of Alcoholics Anonymous and The Spirituality of Imperfection. Mm -hmm. And he said, we must thirst. Where are we going to direct that thirst? Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 Well said. Well said. Now, now, you know, one of the phenomena that I've been thinking about is this wanting to hold on to things and not wanting things to change. Yeah. You know, it, it's a very interesting thing. Like, you know, I'll see a couple come to me that are going through a real crisis. And like one of the common statements, well, we just want to go back to a time when we were happy. Mm -hmm. Right. We want to go to a time where we felt really good about each other. And, and it's a very interesting dynamic to me. Because what they often don't see is that the seeds uh, that were being planted at the time that they were, quote, happy have have grown into what they're struggling with today. And, and yeah. that, you know, I often tell people, you don't want to go back and save the marriage that you had. You want to you want to jettison that one. And what you want to do is create something that's going to be more robust. That's going to be better for you guys. That's based on a set of, of ideas and principles and concepts that are going to allow you to enjoy each other more, have more freedom in your relationship, and be able to struggle with issues in a better way. But I think that's true in our recovery too, right? When you first come in, right? It's like, I'm so excited, right? I'm so excited about what I'm discovering. And, and these little these little gems that we hear in a meeting, right? Like it's one day at a time. That was like, oh my God, what a concept. <laughs> right? I mean, it was like, and now like one day at a time, somebody said, I'm a bit jaded to that thing. You know, for me, it's now come down to one moment at a time. I don't even know if I have a day to tell you the truth at this age. It's now a moment for me. But, you know, I think these things change, don't they? As we change in our recovery. Once we find something that works, um, I... I completely relate to the tendency to want it to always work or to expect it to always work. And, you know, to, for there to be a model, that's just like, um, 
self-sustaining through time. Well, and it's very, us. it's very human. You know, Robert Keegan, uh, uh, you know, has a book uh, and a whole concept around this where he refers to as the immunity to change. And, and you know, and he does a lot of industrial psychology stuff with, with big companies and, and as well as individuals. But, but I love that idea that we have just as, 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 you know, uh, human earthlings we we have this we have a, a a built-in immunity to change we have you know even thing even change that will be positive you know somebody can suggest change to me and i can feel my heels digging in i can still do that i you know i mean i and this is one of the things i've gotten to through the whole emotional sobriety process where i'm i'm paying more attention to my intrapersonal processing even i can suggest a good, really good idea for change and i'll feel my heels digging in I even I even resist my own wisdom because it's and and, it's, and I want people to know it's natural to to resist that it's okay we can overcome it but that again that goes back to what you were saying now let's not make that about pathology that's being human I, I can share a story of how uh, you know I sort of came face to face with my own emotional sobriety in this whole idea of uh, people at you know, counting days in their journey versus people counting decades in their journey, right? And how yeah. that, that can look different, like damage control versus, you know, uh, actualization, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I, I was uh, working the phones, uh, just answering the phones at the local intergroup. Alcoholics would call, you know, some of them are sober, just looking for the meeting out of town, want to know how to get here or there. And sometimes you get a, a live one, someone sober curious, someone I don't know what to do or where to turn. Uh, I'm, you know, calling AA. And we would, there would be three desks and three phones. So we would uh, all sort of be there together. So, you know, if there's more than one call, you know, they everyone gets a real person to talk to. And, and sometimes you're listening to somebody else, right? And I was with someone much newer in recovery than I was. And I could hear that they're talking to a wet one, someone who's still struggling with addiction and uh, is at that uh, a contemplative stage of uh, like, what should I do? I'm thinking of going to a meeting. And what I heard the person say is, no, no, that's not how it works. First, we'll find you a detox and then they'll find you a treatment center and then the treatment center will take you to a meeting and if i had opened my mouth i would have said that's not how it goes because i'm relating to my own experience from many years ago when those services weren't available where people detoxed in the meetings where we poured anyone we didn't recognize a half a cup of coffee in case they had the shakes halfway through, where people invited people to, you know, supervise them on their own couch as they detox, right? But we don't need to, those weren't the glory days. We don't need to do that anymore, right? Mm -hmm. What he was saying was based on his experience of recovery, which was a contemporary way of dealing with someone in their early stages. And, and I, 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 first I bit my tongue just because I'm so sober, right? You know, and then I started thinking, I'm not right about this. He's right about this. I'm the student. He's the teacher. I'm, you know, sort of getting uh, sort of continuing education on recovery today. 
And we have to meet people where they're at. And where they're at, it's the here and now, not way back in 1970, whatever, right? Right, right. Well, that's so true, isn't it? I mean, I I love your point, Joe, because, you know, we're going to take what, what our experience has been and project it into the now. And, yeah. you know, and to have an awareness that, look, when we meet someone in the here and now, it just doesn't mean meeting them. It's meeting them in the context, in the contemporary culture that they're living in. And it's a very different thing. Look, most people are being introduced to recovery, not through a 12-step call, but through going to a treatment center. That's right. It's a very different culture. The truth is, it is very natural. Again, not pathological. It's just natural that we we use ourselves initially as the standard of measure. You know, it's the, but then on the layer outside of that needs to be that we are aware that we do that because there are yeah. times like what you were, what you, you successfully did in your story, Joe, was interrupted yourself from doing that. You, you measured it that way. You saw it, you know, because, because then if we get a chance to pan back and look at it, it's like, what's in this i like to look at this when we're talking about about how we how we communicate to folks who are or farther you know farther at the beginning or farther back the path from us is it's there's not just one way there's there's you know there's four of us sitting here there's four different yeah. ways some we could guide somebody to to recovery it's it's like you know the the, the truth is what we could actually you know be an interesting study just to study what are what are the real what are the really important things well one of the most important things from my experience of witnessing people coming in to 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 getting help for themselves is having somebody who cares and having somebody who actually seems to know what the hell they're talking about. So they give you some specific direction. You know, that's not the time we can say that as therapists, it's not the time to sit there and just shoot back a bunch of reflective questions. I don't know. How do you feel about that? You know, it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, they need guidance. So, so what is, if you were talking to the same person, you might've given completely, you might've gone a different place. So well, let's get, okay, good. You want to go to a meeting? Let's get you to a meeting, you know? And that wouldn't mean he wouldn't show up and he wouldn't find his way to detox. It's just, it says you're helping, you're helping is the best way you can help. Exactly. Cause that's all we have. And mm -hmm. it, there's this sort of fool's gold idea of time in being some currency that's worth more when it's not. Yeah. I know when we used to go to put a meeting on in the detox, it was this lockdown detox. Um, and uh, our group would go there for like a whole month of Saturdays. And I would always someone would say, well, you're going to talk, right, Joe? I go, no, I'm going to chair. Whoever's newest is going to share. You know, they don't want what I have. Nobody is in detox looking for the 40-year plan, right? Nobody <laughs> wants that, right? You know, maybe 40 <laughs> days, right? Share your story. I'll come in and share something later. But share something they seconds, can identify minutes, with. Right? Yeah, 40 seconds. 40 <laughs> I like that, the 40-year 40, 40 plan. No, no, they're not looking for that, are they? No. I had a situation... Uh, this weekend that may be at the intersection of some of these issues. Um, I went to a men's retreat um, with a, my home group mm -hmm. and um, there was uh, an individual uh, who was really suffering uh, in the group because um, he uh, hadn't been through his steps yet, or he's, you know, several years sober and he's struggling to get through his steps. And he had um, a lot of tra trauma associated with like his intense religious upbringing 
that made it difficult for him to um, made the language, uh, the, some of the religious language in the, in, uh, the steps um, tough for him to um, tolerate. And uh, I was, um, this was a situation that tested my emotional sobriety, I think, because um, I was trying to relate to him how um, I'm a pretty secular person and my higher power uh, is people, fellowship, be that the fel- the uh, actual, the fellowship of the rooms uh, or family and friends, the people that depend on me that I am uh, letting down that I cannot show up for if I'm uh, loaded and, you know, not uh, sober. And um, anyway, a, a guy interrupts me from across the table and says, uh, well, that'll only get you so far, you know? Um, and, uh, and for like a moment, I kind of like my, uh, I guess, I don't know if I could call my ego jumped up in my head and said, you know, made me want to kind of puff my chest out and say, well, you know, it's got me this far. (laughs) I don't know how much, you know, but I mean, I suppose like I do have a fear when I, um, you know, when I listen to some of, you know, people with quite a bit of time and, uh, and they've got this particular way that they've done it. And, um, they, you know, can, relate to me with a lot of vulnerability about um, moments where they went astray and, you know, they had to kind of like get it back. And of course I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm furiously like scribbling notes in my head. Like how can I like avoid this, this and that and, and get the time that they've got. But um, all we have is today, I guess, you know, Um, and uh, there is no one way to do it. And all I know is uh, what's worked for me so far. And um I just, I'm just trying to listen as best I can to all the uh, input that I'm getting from different people in these recovery spaces um, and uh, make, make, you know, make the best decisions I can. Well, I, I appreciate that, uh, Patrick, because, because that brings it, you know, we're three, three old guys sitting here talking about this, but uh, from your perspective, you're, you're talking about what it's like to, to, to seek and, and, and listen and try to, to absorb what, you know, the lessons that are there, what's there. Um, and one of the things that, that you and I and Alan have talked about, and, uh, and, and I, and I have a feeling that Joe is, uh, I'm pretty sure Joe is much like Alan and I, and the fact that he's not perfect, <laughs> just, just a wild guess, Thanks for noticing. Like, but, but, but <laughs> But, but one of the things that we, you know, we've had, and I, I, I wish I could quote a, a specific example, but, but just, there've been times where you have said things, you know, sometimes, sometimes on the air and off the air, but where you, you have made what I thought was, and I think Alan has too, is like a, sort of this, this really gr- positive assumption about something we have mastered in our lives. And, 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 and both of us are going, no, <laughs> No, that's still that's and then we weren't saying we're we're just still on on the you know by the by the the skin of our teeth, but it's like no, that still is an issue for me. Just that the control stuff or whatever it happens to be. It's not even about whether I'm going to pick up a drink or not. It's just about about my you know for me a lot of times it's that control stuff. It's it's like like you know the the no I want to you know or with that guy if I'd been in the room where the guy said that'll only get you so far. I mean I'm over here in Nashville, Tennessee. I heard you say that from from California. And I'm, and yeah, my, re, my re, rebellious self just, just, just jerked up and said, oh yeah, you know, and, and it's like, yeah. And, and you did a great job of just kind of monitoring that and kind of holding yourself back and uh, staying well, I, in the experience. 
Because, well, I don't believe, and I, I don't know what's in this guy's thoughts, but I, I don't think that he was um, trying to antagonize me. Or, I mean, I do think that what his comment was probably coming from an earnest place of, yeah, this is yeah. what, yeah. there's a certain thing that works for him. And, uh, you know, um, he, it may, maybe it won't work for me. And he's trying to uh, stop me from uh, sliding off a cliff. You know, mm-hmm. that's my interpretation anyway. So. Yeah, any of these ideas are going to be different for everybody and different at different stages of our own recovery. What Mm -hmm. realizing nobody is coming for me meant in early sobriety means something very different than it does now. And that's the conversation you were talking about, right? You needed a practical uh, Mm -hmm. something to grab onto, and it was the people in the program, fellow addict, one alcoholic talking to another. It's higher power, not highest power. We don't need to figure out the way the universe works. We just need to help each other stay sober, right? And uh, and then someone else is talking about looking at it from a different worldview, I suppose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it look, it, it does go to this point of, you know, the way we communicate these these differences, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, and I find myself do this at times a little, a lot less today than I did before. I don't need to put what you're doing down to talk about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. See, and I, unfortunately, I see so much of this going on in the program. We think that somehow putting what somebody else is doing down is going to somehow help them be more open to a new possibility. But like, you know, you were saying, Tom, and your rea- your first reaction, I think, was right on. I want to mm-hmm. rebel to that idea, man. Mm-hmm. You know, how dare mm-hmm. you, I, you know, put down what's got me to the place that I'm at in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, I think that's part of what you were feeling. I don't know if that's ego, if that's just a statement of where the reality for you. Yeah, there may be something next for me, but... This is a value, man. I've never had this much time before in my life. And this is what's got me here. Will it will it take me to where I need to go next? I don't know. I haven't gotten right. to next yet. That's coming, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's yeah. still yeah. gonna yeah. be gonna be revealed to me. That's still gonna be part of my journey. But see, I, I think it's it's that so that point that you're made mm-hmm. in terms of the process of communication is very important, is paying attention. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we talk to each other? you know, about our differences. You see that, so let's just go back to the emotional sobriety thing. Early on for me in my undifferentiated consciousness, which is an, it was a very immature consciousness, I would have to be right and you would have to be wrong for me to feel okay. Right. I mean, that was so wired into my behavior. I had to be the best. I had to be right. You had to be wrong. I mean, that's the way that I buoyed up my self-esteem. Now, was that real self-esteem? I wouldn't call that self-esteem today. You know, mm-hmm. I would call that, you know, having to be better than, right? It's that old game where kids play with whose hands on top, right? And mm-hmm. if you get your hands on top, you win. And I had always this mm-hmm. idea that if I won all the time, that I would, that, that made me a good, you know, that gave me self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Well, today, I don't get my self-esteem out of that. Today, I, I, I wouldn't feel good about doing that to somebody else. 
That's well, not- take 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 it a little bit deeper into the the emotional sobriety stuff too, because we're because we're we all are familiar with that with that right. The, we need the contrast to to be right kind of thing. It's, it's exclusion rather instead of inclusion. It's like. The truth is when I, I'm just going to use that because it's easier to talk in examples more clear. I think to use the example of this, this fellow who said something that, that, that pissed me off that in the meeting that, that I wasn't even in, uh, that, uh, which <laughs> says something about my, my, you know, it was really, t- I mean, it really does make the point. The point is, even if I was sitting in the room, it, w- what I'm re- responding to is not that guy. It's responding to some guy, some in- to interpretation yeah. that I have laid on that, which is based on the stuff you just described, Alan, that I come out of a system in which I'm, I, 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 I you know, I'm hopefully re- it's one of my list of recovery froms so that it's not, re- you know, so moving toward inclusion away from exclusive thinking it's like, but the truth is, it's so easy for me to project that onto something that, and that, and that's an easy thing to project it onto because it's kind of, it may be that for that guy, but it doesn't, you know, that's, that's where the, the emotional spreading, he doesn't, you know, and this is a strange way to say it, but he doesn't matter in terms of how I'm taking care of myself at that point. The point is I need to realize this power struggle is inside me, not with that guy over there. And it's going to get nowhere if I go to bed tonight in a fantasy, you know, power struggle with the guy that said something in a meeting that I wasn't in, you know, oh, but that, but, but, but I, but that, I could, yeah. I could have done that years ago. Well, and even to take that a step further, see, I used to think when people would share that stuff that they were being, trying to be helpful. Now, maybe in their minds they were, but yeah. today to me being helpful means staying in closer contact with someone if I'm giving them feedback. And seeing, hey, what did that mean to you? How was that for you? Did yeah, yeah. that did did that give something to you, or did I take something away from you, or you know, or is that how you experienced what I said to you? You see, that to me, so that's the evolution of conscious. I was thinking about another one. Here's another one that was interesting. There was, and I'm sure you guys, and you still, I still see it going on today. You even hear it in our meetings on Thursday nights. That emotional cutoff is the best way to deal with a relationship that is toxic, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You remember that book? Was it Susan Forward that wrote Toxic People or something like that? And you just cut them off. It was like if somebody's toxic in your life, you cut them off, right? That's the solution. As though that somehow was going to help us function better. And what it turns out today, I don't believe that at all. I believe if you're having trouble with someone in your life, regardless of what they're doing, I'm not saying that they're that they're, you know, that they're angels. I mean, there there aren't. There's devils out there too, right? I mean, I'm not saying that. But if there's trouble, I think of that more as my trouble on holding on to myself, not what they're doing. Um. No, the frame for that, 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 let the toxic person be the teacher. Yes, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. a shift in my consciousness. Yeah. Before, you know, when I first came in the program, you, you, you stayed around the people that were healthy and you got rid of the toxic people in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stick with the winner. Yeah, you stick. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're all trying to be winners in our own way. Exactly, everybody. We're at different stages. We're at different stage. Even when I was drinking and using, that was my best attempt mm-hmm. to figure things out in my life at that point. 
it wasn't that I I was campaigning to be a loser. It was I didn't have anything, any options that were better available to me at that point in time. Right. I was listening to Patrick tell this story, and I could picture myself talking to this new person and someone else butting in with their devil's advocate, like Mm -hmm. bumper sticker thing. And now I'm going to react to what I assume the new person, uh, uh, how they're responding to what this person said. And you're right. Oh, that's so good. And I don't even know. Right. You're in you're in two different people's heads at that point. It's like, absolutely. That's beautiful. That's good, Joe. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the best thing I was in, I was in three people. I was in Patrick's head. I I was in that. I was in the newcomer's head. What's what's the Beach Boy song? I get around. I get around, round, round. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> three-part harmony you're questioning this idea of just the, the shut off as as if the, you know the to- you cut the toxic person off and you have no more you've taken care of your problem you know we're, we're not saying i don't think you're saying we're not saying oh no you need to spend more quality time with toxic people it's 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 like no it's just it's it's not an, again it's the inclusion rather than exclusion it's it's like mm-hmm. no just take that in no you spend time with people that you want to spend time with if you, you know and if, and if it's not good with you to you know if you've if you end up feeling bad when you spend time with somebody, then probably you want to spend less time with them. But what what we're talking about is a way of thinking about this that takes us basically out of multiple. What we're saying is multiple people's heads and getting back into our own. So we can figure out what, you know, I have a little, I have one of my little, uh, talk about bumper stickers, my little nutshell things. I have a card that says the first part of any problem that I have to solve is that which is between me and me. And it's the ch- I challenge myself, I challenge my clients to say, let's see if we can define that first. It doesn't mean I don't have interpersonal issues that I may need to, to, to work out with you guys, but I need to work. I need to see if I can identify the, the, the me and me in uh, difficulties first, because that's 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 growing from. And that's to me what a lot of, in, of, of emotional sobriety that's growing from the inside out. Well, look, what, what on a Thursday night, we've been looking at step four and. and this last um, Thursday, I read that little part from step four that Bill wrote that says, of true partnerships, we knew very little. And see, I, I think that that's, that's that humility, right? That, that you know, I hear, yeah. you know, I hear a lot of that in you, Joe. You know, you, you have that sense of humility. You know, I'm not right all the time. I hope I'm developing a little of that in my life at this point too. But I think that that's so true because a lot of the things that I thought were a bar- part of a partnership really were not. They were an anti-partnership behavior on my part. I diminished the relationship. I did not enhance my relationships or my encounter in relationships. And, you know, I think that that's one of the things that's exciting for me is, you know, if we think of emotional sobriety as a relationship, like you said, Tom, first me and me, mm-hmm. and then me and you, and, and me and the outward, yeah, mm-hmm. in the world, and me and my concept of a higher power, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. If I think of it in terms of those relationships, I can learn a lot by examining every one of those things. Yeah. I mean, what's my relationship like with myself today? And that's what I love our discussion about self-esteem. It's our evaluation of ourself, how we think about mm-hmm. ourselves, right? That's why it's such an important thing. 
and and there's it's, a lot it's healthy of- healthy self-criticism it's you well, know we're we're, we're trying to joe lately we've been trying to save yeah. we've trying to salvage the, the term self-criticism because i've realized for me it really got tossed in with with self-condemnation right. and and so it gets to be where where you know we 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 got to have some pretty thick skin to do this recovery stuff and we need to be able to critique ourselves and we need to be able to take some criticism from each other well, let's go around and say that. How did our relationship with ourselves change from where we first were when we came in to today? And how did our relationship with others change? The way that my relationship with myself changed uh, from uh, when you first came in the rooms to today. I don't need to proceed with action from how I'm feeling or my the way I'm feeling does not need to dictate how I behave. And so that's, that's now. So when yes. you first came in, what was that like for you? If I was uh, if I was having a bad day, I'd behave badly. If I was having a good day, maybe I'd be on my best behavior. So I think that that's been a significant upgrade in recovery. Okay. okay. And then uh, as far as the way that I treat others, I'm a lot better at listening, and I am I, I think I'm a little less reactive, and um, I'm better I think at just kind of sitting with um the things people are sharing with me without immediately imposing my own kind of uh ideas on top of it you know alan i, I think i could take that i could take that question the way you frame that and do it sort of like those nathaniel brandon uh, sentence stem things where, where i could i could answer it uh, you know it'd probably be that i'd just go deeper and deeper i could answer it multiple times because because i'm realizing that oh my god i could do it this way that way but but the one the one i got was was that without knowing this at all without, without any insight whatsoever i think about this uh bef- bef- the before is i had to be right that was, it didn't mean I was always, it wasn't me. I was right. It, was, it meant I was measuring myself by whether I was right. So I, my defensive, my defense system was all set up to make me right. And I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed when I look back at the bullshit that I was pulling in my, in my early, in my first, certainly in my, my drinking and drugging, but even in my early recovery, you know, that I was still holding out as, you know, I'm right about this. And the after is uh that learning's important being right's not it's like you know it's just am i am i learning and i think the other thing i'd love about about what is new for me uh and and this has even improved significantly since we've been doing since since we this we uh started uh, doing all this stuff when the covid shutdown happened alan is 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 um i am such a bore natural and and effective self-observer than i than i was i'm not i'm i'm not so keen to always what 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 patrick was saying always take action and lean back and just listen and soak it all in and it's like you know that's not always but that's i didn't i wasn't that way at all before like uh tom I needed to either impress you or impress upon you. I thought that was so <laughs> important. That's good. And what I, I have it. learned, uh, especially with not just new people, but others, people don't need to be told. They need to feel heard. Like no one's at a 12-step meeting uh, uh, or any sort of peer-to-peer group. No one's sitting in front of a counselor. If they don't already know, the shit's already hit the fan right? They don't need to be told. They need to feel heard. And when I see 
two people talking at the literature table, like the old timer and the newcomer, I can tell how well it's going by who's doing the talking. If the newcomer's talking, it's going great. Oh, <laughs> and wow. it's probably going to be most effective. People need to feel heard. And when I'm in uh, encouraging newer people to help even newer people, like you don't need to say the right thing. You need to listen. That's what got me sober. I felt sincerely heard at AA meetings. Wow. And I'm lucky to say I, I wasn't often cut off by some smart ass remark. Uh, you know, in most cases, I could find someone who really cared and really empathized and would really listen. And that I came back for more. That's beautiful. You know, I was thinking for me is when I go back, when I walked in these rooms, my self-esteem was really, really in the gutter. I mean, I had the way I evaluated myself was always to fall short that I had all these concepts of who I was supposed to be, to be okay. And, you know, today I realize is that it was, Bill calls it an impossible way of life. These concepts I had were so ungrounded. I mean, so poorly grounded in reality. They had nothing to do with reality. They had to do with fantasies. And I was trying to live up to a fantasy that, that and, and I've always fell short. And so one of the things that I see as a big change is I'm not as interested in being who I should be. And it's kind of what you were saying, Tom, is I'm just more interested in just being who I am today and, and owning that and living that authentically and knowing there's a lot of sides to me. You know, there's a me that really wants to cooperate and sometimes a side that wants to rebel. And right. if I can just live who I am openly, the overriding part of me is I want to cooperate. Sometimes I don't know how. Sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that and keep a sense of myself. So that's the kind of thing in terms of that. In terms of relationship with others, man, early on, it was all about me. I looked at every interaction in terms of what was it saying about who I was, how people felt about me, like you were saying, Joe, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to either impress or impress upon, <laughs> you know, I wanted you to be impressed with me, right? I, I wanted, uh, my self-esteem was so dependent on how you saw me and what you thought of me. And so I was so focused and vigilant about that. And today, like you said, I have a lot more room for other people. I can listen to them and I can hear who they are and not make it about me. And I am so much better at that than I've ever been in my whole life is creating room for other people. I don't do that yeah. perfectly. You know, if my wife got on, she'd say I'm full of shit <laughs> by telling you guys that because that's where that's where it probably shows up where I'm, I'm still, you know, on the learning curve a lot in terms of that, although I'm much better at it today. Well, Al, Al that's where we go back to what you and I have talked about before is it's important that we that we you and I have this in common that we've both married people that that love us very much, but they're not impressed. Yeah, <laughs> you know and it's like it's like, sometimes i think i've told you sometimes i wish Didi was a little more impressed but but it's it's like she's not it's like at all 
But I, but I know she loves me. Do Didi and Jess kind of share notes together, or is it I I think that I think they probably have a lot in common how they how they are in relationship that way. Because I you know the day the day that I, the day that I met you it was is one of those stories. I won't tell the long version of the story, but but the. But the thing is, we were we were at the ranch over in in the director's office there, and and Dee, Dee was there because she was the equine therapist uh, for the ranch and developed that program. And I was there because I was uh, what I call the consultant who was never consulted, uh, which I later found out was the definition of consultants. It's like, it's, but they paid me, so they, so that's okay. That's, well, it was paid but never consulted. But, but I, I but I uh, uh, but I said I, I I told you we were talking about the equine therapy, and I said a couple of things about Dee because I am I am quite quite impressed with her uh and and um and and you said uh you, you know you said well Dee, tell tell me something something about Tom's work and 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 I don't remember how she did it but she just completely passed over the question entirely she just she <laughs> she, she she had nothing to say about me it's <laughs> I remember it hurt my feelings. I just met you. I was trying, you know, talking about what Joe was talking about. I was trying to impress. I thought, you know, hey, I like this guy. I'd like to impress him. It's like, like, it's it's like, you know, it was like, it was just, it was just sort of a little, just almost a, just a little dismissed thing. And that was all over. Um, but uh, um, so anyway, that that's the story of how you and I even met uh, for the first time was witnessing. You, you know what that told me about you guys is that uh, but, he was comfortable enough with you that she could do that. Mm. and feel free enough to do that and that told me what a great relationship you guys yeah have. yeah well, well it's i didn't i didn't feel that at the time but yes oh, it was no, that I thing. Know, but <laughs> that was how it registered to me i'm sitting there yeah, going, that's nice that, yeah yeah he doesn't have to beat this guy's drum you know that that's she right that's right to be his cheerleader. <laughs> i mean she's okay uh being who she is i mean i That's thought right. that that was cool that you guys had that space. <laughs> hey listen it, here's how far we've come i i developed a new card trick earlier today and Dee, Dee was patient enough i said she, she does she's not a fan of my card tricks either it's like uh she, she sees me coming with a deck of cards she goes and I said, "Can I show you a card trick?" And she said, "Yes, she did." And she actually told me that she was impressed with the card trick. So, wow! Thanks How about that. Yeah, <laughs> I know the right question to ask her next time. <laughs> What's your favorite yeah. card yeah. trick? How, yeah. how, how are his card tricks going? How's card tricks? That's right. It's getting better. <laughs> they're more. They're more tangible. Yeah. There's there's moments in time where we, you know, we've heard something forever, but then you can tell the story about when something clicked. You know, some little lesson that clicked with you. I remember I was talking, I was years and years ago, it was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was talking about this, this woman who didn't, who didn't like me. And I knew she didn't like me. And I was going, I was, I was going, oh, man, she doesn't like me at all. And he interrupted me in the middle of all this stuff. And he said, do you like her? And I went, no. And, and, and then just kept talking it just kept going. And then I, he didn't say a thing. He was a good listener, Joe. It's like, then yeah. I just stopped. I stopped myself dead in my tracks and realized what I just heard, said. It's like, Oh, it was that. Oh, I I needed her. She I needed. Her. I was demanding that she like me, but I didn't like her. Yeah. So why was that? It's it's like yeah. I just I don't know that I put anything together that day, but I recognized something was off right. in terms of of what I thought I needed to be okay, and I didn't. Yeah, we need to hear ourselves say it. Yes, I, I, and yeah. I. I I remember one of the little wisdoms of the room when I was new, 
They, they didn't read the promises, and I'm neither for nor against that. Do whatever you want in your mm -hmm. own group. But they would close the meeting and say, uh, not that we have a solution for every one of your problems. They, that's not what they said. They said, mm -hmm. if you came with a problem, please don't leave with a problem. A problem shared is a problem halved. Mm. and just the <laughs> idea of getting it out right it, it, wow. it doesn't solve the problem but it relieves the tension to carry on one more day right i'll tie uh what you just said uh back into the story of the uh Great. suffering guy at the at the retreat i saw him sitting with a number of other men um that uh, were at that lunch with us uh but that were just there at the retreat i saw the suffering man talking a lot and then the pe person he was sitting with listening and um i think that whether or not they had the right words or the 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 right wisdom they walked with him into whatever it is that he was facing to me that's what matters most or that's what seems to do the most so listen the message to our listeners is your maturity is going to evolve if you stay pressed up against this process and we encourage you to stay pressed up against it as gently and compassionate as Lee as possible, because beating yourself up and being harsh on yourself, you know, is not is not the best path for any of us, even though each and every one of us in this room have done that from time to time. And you will do that as well. But if you stay the course, you know, the big thing is, is don't buy into the idea that where I'm at, I'm always going to be at. That what's true now will always be true forevermore. It will not. And if you stay around here, you will change. If you continue to try to digest some of these concepts we talk about, you will change. And you've got no idea what that's going to look like. But I'll tell you, it's going to be a hell of a trip. And it's going to take you into some cool places. I keep going back to when you read to us from Dr. Zeus. Oh, yeah. those places you'll go, Joe. <laughs> oh, those Absolutely. places you'll go, right? That's, yes, that's you will succeed. You will indeed 98 and three quarters percent guaranteed. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. right. There it is, you guys. So, Joe, I'm looking forward to our next time together, and we'll start yeah. to get into the traditions and emotional sobriety. Yes. And, and bring That'll clear the room. <laughs> that'll, yeah, right. That's that, that'll. <laughs> Hey, I got to I got to put a shout out to my sponsor Tom today, who celebrated 54 years being oh. and and um, just share. Wow. I, I sent you guys some of you guys a Facebook post. I'll send it to you too. Um, so that he just wrote about his experience with Tom Catton, a good friend of ours who recently passed away. Yeah, and you know it's just the stories, man. I mean the. The incredible experiences we have in recovery are just phenomenal, and he's got a great, a bunch of great ones. Well, he's got a, he's got a ripple effect that is just amazing. He's helped NA grow all over the world. Tinge your life, tinge your myth, cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human. Never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing,
will entertain me like nobody else. So here's to us, my old friends. Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again. With glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. Back to me.